0: Welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku, culture-related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai. And joining me tonight, I just have our Emperor of Explosions, Riker. That's me. Yes, that's you. Uh, and we're actually together again in your apartment. Yep. And yep. we're really close, and we're definitely not... This is not gay. No. It's not, it's not gay not, at all. Not gay at all. <laughs> um, so, uh, this is part two of our two-part uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Uh spectacular, whatever you want to call it. So part one dealt with uh, specifically the anime that Natai and I did, and I highly recommend you go check that out if you haven't done, done so yet. Um, if you haven't, what are you doing with I know, right? Life? Um, but the second part, is just going to be me and Riker talking about the manga itself, uh, the source, the, the, the greatness that is Hirohiko Araki's work, his life's work. Um, He's a vampire, you know. He, well, he doesn't age. Yeah, Dio is based off of him. I think that Dio, he, I think that... that you see two characters that are just like Araki in his work. You see Dio, who is like what he actually is, and you have Rohan, who is what he does. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's why that's why there's another Rohan OVA coming out. Yeah, it's because it's literally Araki's life. Um, but just like part one, uh, spoilers abound in this one. So if you haven't read and or seen Jodo's Bizarre Adventure, number one, I think we both highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, and number two, you probably shouldn't be listening to this if you don't want to see, be spoiled. Um, but I'm going to start off, since you weren't with us for part one, even though you have seen the anime, I just want to ask you quickly, uh, the two two questions that I asked Natai at the beginning of ours, what was your first ex- uh, exposure to JoJo's? I'm assuming it was the David Productions anime. Yes. From 2012, no, 11, 10, 11. I think it was
1: 11, yeah. yeah. 2011 was part one. Yeah, I watched it in 2012, I think. I watched it right after it ended. Okay. Yeah, because I saw the announcement that they were doing um, part three. anime for it and I was like what's this and then uh I googled it and I got a bunch of memes (laughs) and uh I got the how many breads have you eaten in your (laughs) lifetime and I was like I have to watch this this looks incredible so that's where it all went downhill
0: that's what Natai said he got exposed to it kind of through the anime but more so through the memes look getting into that first off yeah um so if that was your first experience, what was the moment particularly that hooked you into the JoJo's universe?
1: Um, cuz for me it was part 2. It was part 2. Part 2 is what really hooked me. Well, there was a part there's a, a specific part in the part 1 anime that also hooked me. It's when um
0: was it Kono Dio da? <laughs> no,
1: it was um the whole stuff with Dio I thought like the fight scene in the mansion where the mansion is burning down. I thought was pretty cool. Um but the part that really hooked me was when he was fighting zombie Jack the Ripper. Oh, gee, yeah! And I was like, "This is so stupid," and I love it. And he comes like flying out of a dead horse. That's stuff. that's the part
0: where Speedwagon is introduced, isn't it?
1: And Speedwagon's introduced when uh, Jonathan goes looking for. The guy that was selling Dio the poison. Yes, yes. Yeah, and he throws the bladed hat at him. That you
0: never see again. Yeah, you never see That's only used that one time. Yeah. And there are times when Speedwagon could have used that hat again, and he doesn't. He never fights again. No, that's it. Yeah. All right, so we'll we'll get into it. Um, We don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the manga for parts one through four, because... David Productions did a pretty damn good job adapting the anime for that, but there are a few differences that I think we really want to... Well, there's one big difference that we want to touch on, and that's part one. Um, It's the only real part uh, that has a big distinction between the anime and the manga in the sense that there's two and a half or so chapters in the manga for part one that aren't adapted into the anime. Yeah. And it's the the part where you basically get to watch Jonathan and Edina's... relationship kind of grow. It's basically them doing coupleship for two and a half chapters. Yeah, it's just like romantic fluff stuff. It's cute, but... Yeah, I think the the anime certainly uh, benefits from it not being there because I think if they had added that, it would have really messed up the tone of the anime that they were going for and definitely the pacing. Yeah. Um, But... I definitely think that for the manga's sake it really helps flesh out Edna's character just a little bit more whereas in the anime you she's not really much a part of it it's just to be there as like something on the arm of Jojo well she's kind of a she's she's an old sassy lady in part 2 She is I mean you see her more in part 2 and then a little yeah. bit in part 3 than yeah. uh, than you do in any anywhere else Yeah Or not part three. That's that's Susie Q I'm thinking of. Yeah, you're thinking of Susie Q. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Um, Well, she's in part four. She is in part four. She's very sassy as well. Um, But that's really the only major difference that David Production put in the anime, for the adaptations for part one through four. Um, But something I think we can definitely talk about with the manga for parts one through four is there was a big art style change, especially later in that, between parts three and four. There yeah. was a major art style change. And it's something that Araki has become known for over the years is constantly switching up art styles, changing character design, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, for, like, parts one, two, and definitely three, you can say that the focus was, like, the typical male shonen beefy Everybody characters. looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, Sylvester Stallone in the 80s, I mean, you know? I the, mean, the, the inspiration was definitely something like... Um, Fist of the North Star, like everyone is huge, muscle bound, just jocks, and they fight each other, and it's like I have bigger muscles than you, bah. But then when you get to part four, there's still a little bit of it in part four because you know you got Jotaro there uh, as well. But it starts to get more of a bishi kind of look to it, especially with the male characters. Um, And I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's necessarily a good or a bad thing. I personally think it's a good
1: thing. I think, um, I like all the art styles, to be honest. I liked the older looking, you know, Fist of the North Star kind of style because it was very, like, you know, nostalgic. It feels like, even the David Production anime, you feel like you're watching, like... Something from the 80s? Like an 80s, you know, power trip kind of anime. Yeah. Big buff dudes punching people when their head's exploding when they get punched and stuff. Um... And then you know, as it gets, it gets like his designs get significantly more complicated.
0: (laughs) Yeah, as it goes on, and and... especially with not just the the actual character designs, but the clothes that they wear. Yeah, like the clothes they become these impossible. Like no one would ever wear this. Some people couldn't even wear this. They're wearing like Swiss cheese. Yeah. Well, that's definitely part five with Fugo. (laughs) He wears a Swiss cheese suit. Basically, it's just got Swiss cheese holes in it. Um, I I think that it definitely shows Iraqis. Growth as an artist over time. When you watch his art style changes, like there's a reason that his art is the only. He's the only manga that's ever had his art displayed in the Louvre. I mean, there's a reason for it. And you can see how he's, like, learned and grown over the years when you read JoJo. I think he's
1: done, like, design collabs with, like, Louis Vuitton or something
0: Yeah, he like has. That. Or Gucci or something. Um, no, it was, it was Gucci. Gucci, was because Gucci. That, there was an entire... Actually, there was an entire Rohan one-shot manga that was just dedicated to his design work with Gucci. Yeah. So... And I think it was actually called Rohan Goes to Gucci. <laughs> um... But something else in parts one through four, it introduced a lot of iconic characters, both, I mean, you could say anime and manga characters. Um, Joseph Joestar is just one of the most iconic characters ever. I mean, what what can you say about Joseph Joestar that hasn't already been said a million times? Yeah, he's the perfect shonen protagonist, in he my is. opinion. He is, he's absolutely, and in, in, in because the, he, you, you, you're introduced to him in part two, and he's the grandson of Jonathan from part one. And you actually get to see him grow as a character from parts two to three, and then you finally see him as an old old man in part four. Yeah, um, and which I think is actually one of the most entertaining versions of Joseph is in part four. Spoilers, I guess technically he's the only character that breaks the Joe Star
1: family curse too.
0: That's true because every other member of the Joe Star family dies at a very very young age. Yeah, or relatively young age. Um, and I get the, I get the sense that that joseph was a, was supposed to be the poster child for jojo's but then when part three came around jotaro kind of took up that role yeah i think jotaro
1: is still the poster child he
0: is still the only character that's appeared in four different parts of jojo's he's he appeared in part uh, three four five and six yeah. granted his appearance in part five is basically as a cameo but he does appear yeah um so, I definitely think that while Joseph Joestar may have originally been supposed to be the poster child, Jotaro kind of became that. Yeah. And he certainly, when you, when you first meet Jotaro, you're kind of introduced to him as like this pompous, like, child. But then you get to see him grow into, like, a really cool guy you want to root for. Yeah. And then he becomes, a, by the time part six rolls around, you find out he's a really damn good father. Yeah. He's actually become, like, when I first, when we first introduced to Jotaro, I didn't like him. I didn't really like him in part three. I don't think most people like him at the beginning of part three, but by the end of part three, I think a lot of people... I definitely warmed up to him, but I still is yeah. like, kind of, eh, a bit. Because but... he lacks, he lacks
1: the personality that all the other Joe, Joe stars have had up until yeah. that point. He's and... got that,
0: that attitude, yada, yada, does he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's basically his, his personality in a nutshell. He's... His personality is just, no. Yeah, no. Just No. <laughs> No. No nonsense, no fooling around, just no. Yeah, I just want to beat up this vampire and go home. But especially by the time Part 4... By the end of Part 4, I kind of warmed up to him, and then when Part 6 comes around, it's like, wow, he's a pretty damn good
1: character. Yeah, no, he he definitely... He gets a lot more. I think he's gotten more than any other character in the series. More development.
0: Yeah. um, It's really the only things I can think of to say about Parts 1 through 4, unless you got anything else. I mean, there was some... There's definitely some... Uh, some plot holes we could talk about in Parts 3 and 4.
1: Yeah, some some uh, things
0: that he definitely opened up and then never really delved into, yeah. but... See, there's two major ones in Part 4. The fact that Josuke seems to have rescued himself, and that was never expanded upon. And then the invisible baby, Shizuka Jozdar. Yeah. Which, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about those later when we get to uh, our theories about what may be coming up for Part 9. Yeah. Um... But those are definitely plot holes that people have pointed out over the years. Um, and Iraqi himself has pointed out that in interviews, he says, "So you know, sometimes this gets so involved, I just forget stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I could see him probably forgetting what he, he set up in part four, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, but... It'd be cool if he. Tried to do I honestly
0: believe that he originally set out for it to be like a time travel sort of thing with oh, yeah. Kira's bites the dust ability. Yeah, and he was going to get stuck in the past at the end, and he would have to save himself. That's that was that's my opinion on it. But um, like I said, we'll that get into that sense, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, in parts one through four, who's your favorite JoJo and who's your favorite villain? Joseph still has to be
1: my favorite JoJo. And then Kira, I think, is easily going to take my favorite villain. A lot of people want to say Dio, but Kira is just... I wanted to root for Kira. Like, one of the few villains who's... He's just... He's terrible. He's a terrible human being. But, like, every time he's on the screen, I'm like, give me more. I want more.
0: Give me more (laughs) He just wants to live a quiet life, man. Yeah, he just wants to live a quiet life. Killing people and taking their hands and probably jerking off with them. Stealing women's hands and eating sandwiches on them. Yes. Um... Duang. So, yeah, exactly. So that is something I do want to talk about before we actually move on to uh, any of the parts. Um, I think a lot of pe- the reason that JoJo's didn't become really big outside of Japan until relatively recently is because, for the manga at least, I mean, discounting the anime, which came in within the last five or six years... The manga itself has never had really reliable English scans. No, outside of, you know, outside of Japan, like if you unless you could read Japanese, you really couldn't. JoJo's wasn't accessible to you. It Had good meme. Yeah, it had good meme potentials. Um, but, I mean, and the, the, there was an anime like Natine I talked about for part one that they had the OVAs from the mid-90s, but nobody liked them. Even Iraqi wants to forget they existed. Yeah, well, they were really cheaply done. And Yeah. I will say, if you're looking for a, just a really cheap entertainment, go watch the English dub of those OVAs. It's fucking terrible. I've never, I've never seen it, but I'm sure it's awful. It's an enemy stand. <laughs> It's literally, J- J- Jotaro is like the most ineffectual voice in that whole thing. Oh, really? Like, everything is, it's like he's literally reading it right in front of him. An enemy stand. <laughs> um. But yeah, there was no access to the manga outside of Japan, really, until relatively recently. And in fact, even the, the scans that did exist were terribly translated. Like, it, it, the most infamous one is obviously the Duang translation for part four, which yeah. in a... In a for historical context, I sh- should go read it. Yeah. Because it's very entertaining. It was, it was done by a high schooler. Yeah, for it was an English it was project. An English project, which they failed. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's definitely worth it for the entertainment value, I think. Because it has some, like, <laughs> I am the fucking strong. I am the
1: fucking strong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what a beautiful Duang, which has become a huge meme. Chew. Um, but yeah, I mean, now we have the Jojonium. Uh, manga that's coming out by through viz and they're they're yeah. doing a really good job translating it i think and there's also i highly recommend you check this out if you can which is technically illegal but whatever um there's a team in japan called jojo's colored adventure and they've been taking basically page by page chapter by chapter they've been taking the old jojo's manga and colorizing every single page and it, they, they do a beautiful job of it um oh, yeah. So I definitely recommend checking that out. That's actually how I read parts four and five. Was through them. And getting to read part four in color was beautiful. Yeah. Um
1: I I actually didn't do that, but I should go back and
0: do that. You should. They, they do a really good job. They're doing great work. Um definitely check those those guys out if you get a chance. Um but yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you when you said that, that Joseph was your favorite JoJo from parts one through. Actually probably he's probably my favorite JoJo period.
1: <laughs> oh he's so crazy and like you know he's awesome in part three and he's awesome in part four he's yeah. awesome in every part he's in yeah and he's always like this big goofy character yeah
0: yeah um and i definitely got to agree with you about kira just the the he is crazy but he's the kind of crazy you want to like say you can do this yeah <laughs> um so i like, guess we move on to part five all right, so part five, Vento Aureo, which is part five, never at this point. Thank you, David Productions. All, all we wanted was more Rohan. Thank you so much. Yep. Um, Vento Aureo, I think, represents an enormous shift in tone for JoJo's from previous parts. It's the fall of the. It's the start of the fall of the main universe. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, Certainly much more, not as, like, happy-go-lucky as part four. I mean, part four yeah. had its really serious parts, but you also had moments of just sheer comedic gold, like yeah. the Junkin fight with yeah. Rohan, which was, Rohan yeah. which was ridiculously funny. Um, also one of the best episodes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the, there's, a, there's a huge tonal shift in Vento Rayo where it goes from being kind of like Monster of the Week to... Serious, semi-serious, to being completely serious almost all the time. Yeah. I mean, you certainly have, like, your breather moments. Like, uh, the big standout for me is the breakdancing with Narancia and Fugo. Yeah. When they start to turn on the boombox and start breakdancing. So you have moments like that, but they're few and far between in in part five. Um, It's very violent. It's very brutally violent. And once you get to about halfway through the the manga, you really... starting to feel like everyone is fair game for death
1: yeah oh yeah definitely i mean and it's it's the first time where the main jojo is not necessarily a good guy
0: yeah he's he's definitely an anti-hero of sorts for sure
1: yeah well he's like a part of a hit squad for the mafia so
0: and in fact he's really with the i guess you could say the exception of jotaro he's really the only jojo you're introduced to where you're kind of not supposed to like him no. Like, he's an asshole when you first meet him. He yeah. is a complete and utter asshole. He becomes a really cool guy by the end. And a guy you want to root for. But when you first meet him, in those first few chapters, it, he's a terrible human being. Oh, yeah. Um, well, he's like, you know, he's proud of being Dio's son. Technically and, Dio's oh, son. Oh, technically Dio's it son. It was Jonathan's penis. Yeah. But... Um. I think that another thing that I, because part five is my favorite part. I know it's not a lot of people's favorite part, but it's mine. Um, I really liked, I love the violence in it. Um, and I also love the the nature where you never knew. You never knew who was next for the chopping block.
1: Um,
0: yeah. And it, it it kept me hooked and it made me keep reading. I I binged through part five. I got to the point where I just had to keep going and I had to get to the end.
1: I think I did that for part five, six, and seven.
0: Yeah, really? um, well, you get to that point, and you're kind of invested in the universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was just like, "Give me more JoJo's." But there, there's a lot of. Did your screen go off? It's just asleep. Oh, okay. Um, there's a certain part in it where. Uh, hold on, Hold on, it's fine. Okay. It's still wouldn't... it's still recording. Okay, good. Um, there's a certain there's a certain part in it that. Definitely hit me hard and I think you know where I'm going with this. Oh yeah. Um I'm not a big shonen guy, I'm not really into a whole lot of shonens. Um and also classifying JoJo's as a shonen kinda does it a disservice in my opinion, but I have to give it credit. It was one of the few shonens that actually made me cry at a character's death. Like there's there's other shonens that have really sad deaths in it. I can point to a few in Naruto that are standouts, which I won't spoil here. Um but I do want to say, Narancia's death in Part 5 killed me. Yeah. And you knew it was happening. I knew it was going to come. Because I I, when, you, when, you, when you were telling me to read the manga, and I, got to, I told you I was at Part 5, you were really quiet, because there were times when I would say, okay, and that part was like, alright, you need to definitely pay attention to this, 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 and this. And then I got to Part 5, and you were just quiet. I think I, I, think I,
1: I got you uh, into reading the manga by sending you fan art of Narancha. I think that yeah. was one of the ways that I was like look at this guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I got to part 5 and you're like I got him now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his death I don't know, man. Like I he's kind of introduced this lovable loser. Oh, and yeah. And then you absolutely fall in love with him. He's so stupid. He's so stupid. He's like the he's he's the
1: you know, the comedic sidekick kind of. Yeah. And he wants to be so much smarter than he is. <laughs> oh yeah. But, you know, you love him. He loves pizza. He's, like,
0: relatable. He and I had the same favorite pizza, margarita pizza.
1: Yeah. He's also got a really cute character design. I won't, you know, I won't lie. He's a cute dude. Yes, he is. So, he's- He's gonna... definitely a trap. Oh, yeah. For sure. For, for you know, for JoJo's standards, yeah, he's definitely a trap.
0: Um, but, I... That, that fight that he that he dies in is like it's a particularly brutal fight yeah it's but then crazy. but then like with almost no ceremony whatsoever he's just dead like there's no real chance to mourn him there's no chance to think oh my god what's going on because right after that fight you go directly into another fight
1: yeah
0: um but one of the things that really stuck out and it's actually one of the manga panels that I've it's probably one of my favorite manga panels ever is the very end of that chapter where he dies. You actually see it it's after uh uh Giorno goes over and just like stands over him and then the it, you just watch Giorno walk away and it just its focuses on Narancha and it's just him surrounded by flowers yeah and it's 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 what Giorno did when he step when he leaned down there he he touched it with uh gold experience and his flowers grew out of the pavement, Yeah. So that that whole scene, like I can't wait for something like that to be animated. I want to see what David Productions can do with that. Fucking do it! <laughs> I know. Jesus. Um, it's been, what, a year and a half? It's been 470-some days is at the time of this recording. Oh my god. Since the end of Part 4. <laughs> um, there's actually, for those that don't know, there is a Tumblr out there where someone has been counting day by day the days since... Um, the end of uh part four. Part four. Yeah. It's called Is Vento Confirmed. Tumblr. dot com. <laughs> um, still not. Still not. Um, but there's a couple other things I want to talk about in part five. And you mentioned this before we started. It's it's the part where the the stand the stands themselves and the stand battles start getting absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, you don't know what the hell's going on.
0: No, and especially with the main villain's stand, King Crimson, like. How does it even work? <laughs> nobody, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Araki doesn't even know. No. He's been asked, and he says, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like uh, when he was writing
1: King Crimson, he was like, oh, shit, he's about to lose. Uh, King Crimson uh, can do this. And you're and this, like, and this, and this. Yeah, and you're like, but how does that work? And he's like, don't worry about it. That's what he did. Like, it's, it's a really cool stand. Mm-hmm. But, Jesus Christ, is it confusing at times. And even, like, there, there are times where I had to, like, reread pages because I was like, what the fuck just happened?
0: Yeah. But it's something that would be very interesting to see animated because I don't think you can animate it. Yeah, we'll try. I hope. Uh, there's two other things I want to talk about. First of all, what do you think, personally, of the cast of Vento Reo? Because I think it's one of the most well-rounded casts out of all the parts. Yeah, in I, terms I, of their abilities and their and their character personalities, I love
1: the whole gang in yeah. Part Five. They're all you know misfits, and and oh, like I mean, that's kind of Part Four as well. Yeah, but um,
0: but Part Four is built around a community in a town. Yeah, whereas Part Five is like a bunch of disparate people coming together.
1: Yeah, and they're all kind of like, even with how serious Part Five is, like the interactions between each other in, in that. Are, are pretty goofy and lighthearted yeah. at times, and you get really attached to them really quickly.
0: There's a lot of good one-liners in Part Five. Oh yeah, especially between um, Giorno and Buccolati, yeah. and between Fugo and Naranja. Uh, also, that,
1: that's what I always think about is Fugo and Naranja.
0: Fugo Naran Fugo ex Naranja is the only OTP I have for JoJo's. <laughs> Just, it's so pretty. Yeah, and they're together a lot, so yeah. Yeah. I love that scene where Fugo tries to teach Narancha how to do basic math, and he can't do it. Yeah. Um, and there was one other thing I wanted to, to ask you. What do you think, by the end, what did you think of uh, Giorno as a Jojo, as a main Jojo? I liked him.
1: He's definitely, he's far from my least favorite. So I think he's, you know, what, there's eight Jojos now, so... I would Technically put...
0: nine. <laughs> oh well, she's. she's but not... we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Probably be four. Hmm, that's fair. enough. that seems to be about where people rank him usually in the mid in the in the yeah. mid range. Um, and also before we move on, what did you think of Polnareff returning? For part five. Because I thought I that... I love Polnareff. That scene where he's introduced is fucking amazing. Yeah, I
1: was so happy when he showed that Where, he, back where up.
0: he walks around the corner
1: and he's holding the arrow.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh shit, it's about to go down. He's still a, lo- a lovable loser. He is. So. And you get to see him, like, as an old man in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> so. I thought that was an interesting choice to bring him back. Polnareff? Yeah. Yeah,
1: well, you know, I feel like by the end of part three... I mean he's like he's like the only one that survives except for for Jotaro, Jotaro and jo- and, Joseph. and Joseph and yeah, uh, Iggy
0: and uh Avdol and Kakuin. they all end up dead. Yeah. So That was he, sad by the way.
1: Yeah, that was very sad cuz they all die in like a very short Yeah, stand. within
0: yeah, within like 5 chapters of each other they're all dead. Yeah, they, they he kills like the whole
1: fucking crew. But, um, and Iggy just dies like that. Well, so same with Polner, or not Polner, Avdol. uh, Avdol Avdol's like, watch out! And then his arm's just on the ground and he's gone. Uh, Vanilla Ice. Jesus. And, uh, yeah, uh, Polner is awesome. Like, I loved him in part three, like, from the very beginning because he was just so stupid. And he he was always getting his ass kicked and people were always sneaking up on him (laughs) and he's always getting, like, stabbed. And, uh, I always felt bad for him, but, He's always, you know, he's always entertaining whenever he's on the...
0: I love the fact that they brought him back and you got to see Silver Chariot again. Especially yeah. the, uh, um, Requiem, the Silver Chariot Requiem. And also, part five was really the part that introduced Requiem Stands as a thing. Although, technically, you could say that Killer Queen from part four is a Requiem Stand because it got pierced, you got pierced with the arrow twice. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time you actually got to see a Requiem Stand and got an explanation as to what it was. Um... Shall we move on to part six? Yeah. So part six, Stone Ocean. First of all, it's the first and so far only part of JoJo's that has a female JoJo as a as a main character. Jolene. Jolene. I think a lot of people basically like Jolene as a character, but there's a lot of fan division on this particular part of JoJo's, and I think that has more to do with the actual writing than the characters themselves.
1: Yeah. It's Stone Ocean is weird. Um, first of all, the villain is uh, certainly different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, openly gay uh, Catholic priest. Catholic Poochie. priest.
1: Poochie. Um, I think it's technically the first part that takes place in
0: America? Uh, well, the first part of part two is in New York City. That's right. That's right. Although it take it, most of it takes place in other other locations yeah. Mexico and then I think there's a little bit that takes place in back in the UK I think wherever um, that
1: Coliseum is where they're fighting yeah
0: all that stuff but uh oh there's a part that takes there's a, a scene that takes place in Italy as well when he meets uh Caesar well, Caesar yeah Caesar! Caesar and
1: uh but I mean it takes place entirely in America and Florida yeah, near us.
0: Yeah, very near where you and I live. Yeah, um, which is
1: all, always really cool. You don't ever, you don't typically see that. Uh, no locale in manga or it. Yeah,
0: and anime. it's it's kind of they portray it kind of well. Yeah. I think um, it takes it takes place mostly in Port St. Lucie, Florida, which is to the southeast of where you and I live. We live near Tampa. Yeah. Um, but and then it also does, there's a part that takes place in Cape Canaveral, which is where Kennedy Space Center is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of f- fan division. You either love it or you hate it. Um, I personally like. I liked it all the way up until the end. I think yeah. that's a lot of people's basic uh, problem s-
1: with it. I still like Jolene a lot. And I like what they did with Jotaro yeah. up until the end. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Spoiler, Jotaro dies at the end. Yeah, he gets his head cut off. Um, Which spoilers. is unconscious
0: for most of it as well. Yeah,
1: that's true. I mean, he died. it's a pretty badass death. Yeah, it's a, uh, He it, saves Jolene. He, he but goes
0: down swinging for sure. Yeah. Uh but it's it's
1: It was pretty hard to watch, you know, the strongest stand user we've seen so far. Yeah. You know, get his shit rock, bite the dust. Bite the <laughs> dust. Yeah. Um Oh man, that, that just the the stands in that part, I feel like were too strong. Oh yeah, for
0: sure. Like
1: it just got ridiculous towards the end, like.
0: Yeah, I think you. You and I were talking beforehand, and we. I think that even Iraqi realized by the end that he needed to do something kind of really different, yeah. and I think that's why he ended the way he did with basically resetting the entire universe. Um, I there's there's definitely some standout moments though. I think in part six, um, definitely like you said, the, the final fight with uh, with Jotaro kind of end up ending up dying. Um the the white snake fight i thought was pretty good when when poochie was first introduced yeah there's
1: a lot of really cool fights um poochie's actually like a really interesting villain um he's not my favorite because he's he doesn't have that he doesn't have the charisma of a lot of jo- oh like he has charisma but he's so serious and like dio's like ridiculous and yeah Kira's ridiculous and King Crimson, you're just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. But but with Poochie, he's very, he takes himself very seriously all yeah. the time. And, uh, you know, they give him a really
0: deep backstory mm-hmm. with connection to Dio and... And Dio actually technically appears in part six as a flashback. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: it's funny that the, the parts of part three is really what ends up leading into the events of part six.
0: Yeah. It definitely it definitely is a springboard for what happens in part six.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I I often wonder if that was the plan all along for Araki, but I highly doubt that. He flies by the seat of his pants a lot, I think.
1: Yeah, I feel like he finished part five and was like, Where do I go from here? Why don't we bring back Jotaro and Dio yeah. in some way?
0: And then and, and then not even go into any kind of details to how Jotaro had a kid.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, he's divorced. And so. like
0: you'd think, you'd think if he knew this going into it, he would have mentioned Jolene in part five or four, because Jolene would have been born by that time. That's true. He would have been married by that time as well. Yeah. It's also pointed out that he is divorced in part six, so something went wrong. Obviously. Yeah. Um, it's
1: probably his obsession with you know Dio, <laughs> tracking down bad stand users, and you know.
0: It's also never really explained as to whether her uh, Jolene's mother was a stand user.
1: No, it's not. I'm going to assume she wasn't, since
0: it's never mentioned. Yeah.
1: Um, there's
0: so there's almost nothing we know about Jolene's mother except for the fact that she was an American of Italian heritage. That's all we know.
1: Yeah. So, uh,
0: she might have been blonde. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, uh, I don't know. Jolene has like what green hair? Yeah, <laughs> which I'm assuming is dyed, but who knows? <laughs> maybe you, maybe with the power of stands you can change your hair color. Oh, maybe I have often wondered that. With JoJo's. can they use their stands for practical purposes besides just fighting? Well, uh, the doctor in Part Four
1: used it to <gasps> That's transplant true. people's faces and stuff. That's so.
0: true. And um, Tonio, the chef, yeah, used it to make food, yeah. pearl jam. <laughs> Pearl Jam, yeah, that's right. I love that, Stan. I'm going to fix that spaghetti. (laughs) I love that scene. Um, I definitely think that there's a lot of good characters in Stone Ocean. Oh, yeah. Um, You have... um, Most of them don't live. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Um, You have Emporio, which I thought was an interesting choice to have a child character. Yeah. What is essentially a uh, part that's based in and around a prison. Um, Yeah. Again, you have Poochie, who ends up being the prison chaplain. Um, I love Poochie's design, though. Pucci's, I think his, his, his design is probably my favorite villain design in JoJo's.
1: Yeah, his sideburns get more and more ridiculous.
0: And it's almost as if the more power he accumulates as a stand user, the more ridiculous his, like, facial hair gets. Yeah, his you eyebrows are... You almost expect are,
1: it to start glowing by the end. Yeah, his eyebrows are connecting to his sideburns, which are connecting to his, you know... His,
0: his you know, stuff on his chin. yeah. It was, I loved his, it's just so ridiculous. Um, he's very purple. He wears a lot of purple. He does wear a cool. lot of purple. He wears like a purple priest. Almost outfit. reminiscent of like Prince's outfits. That yeah. That he used to wear on stage. Yeah, very reminiscent of a, of Prince in general, his whole yeah. zone. Um, I, I just think there's not a whole lot you can say about Stone Ocean, except that it kind of towards the end has what I would consider to be pretty lazy writing. Yeah, and I think that's because Araki realized that he was kind of out of ideas for this universe.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think uh the power creep had gotten too ridiculous to the point where like he had to do something cuz there was no way he was going to be able to one up the abilities in uh part 6. Yeah. Like
0: if he kept it in the same universe. Yeah. Um I do kind of wish because as we said the universe does reset at part 6. Um I do kind of wish that the next part had kind of gone on from that point because the universe isn't destroyed. It's just reset Um, because there's something I would have liked to have seen. But again, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. I want to move on to part seven, which is your favorite part by far. Yes. You love part seven. I love part seven. Uh, You should definitely talk about it.
1: (laughs) So part seven is Steel Ball Run. It's the, uh, it's his, it's Iraqi's, uh, introduction part into the new universe. And, uh. We're taken back to Jonathan Joestar, but this time he goes by Johnny, mm-hmm. and he's crippled,
0: and he's an American,
1: and he's an American. Uh, he's very American. He's yeah. got you know a star and a horseshoe, you know, and star and a horseshoe bandana, and it's essentially Steel Ball Run is like the story of Hidalgo, but with stands, which yeah. is
0: that or, epic horse race, or as as the the title would suggest, the Cannonball Run.
1: Yeah, or by the Cannonball Run. I always think of Hidalgo because... I, that I was probably, on horses. Yeah, I think of the horses a lot, but... Because, uh, I mean, Johnny's horse is almost like a part of his character. Like, his horse yeah. is always there. Even in the video games, he's on a horse. Well,
0: you can say that the horses in Steel Ball Run are essentially characters in and of themselves. They're extensions of the personality of the people who ride them. Yeah, yeah. And Johnny
1: has, like, my favorite sidekick character. <laughs> Which is Gyro. Gyro Zeppeli. So the Zeppelis finally come back. And Gyro is excellent. He's got, His you know. gold teeth. He's got gold teeth that say Gyro. <laughs> and, oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Just, I mean. Full of one-liners. He's the king of one-liners. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's just excellent. There's so many, like. Tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's so many excellent scenes that are just absolutely hilarious and the main villain is the president of the United States.
0: Yeah, funny Valentine. Though he's
1: not really a villain. There's not really like he's definitely the antagonist, but um I feel like he doesn't have like some evil master plan. Yeah. He just wants to be, you know, exclusionist.
0: Um He definitely has one of the most interesting stands in oh, JoJo's yeah. D4C. He, yeah. Dirty, Deeds Dirt Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Um and the fact that he's just so flashy with everything that he does, I think definitely yeah. makes him stand out as a villain, or antagonist, if you will. Yeah. Um, he's Donald Trump. He ba- basically, yeah. <laughs> he basically is, he's a meme, he's Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, he's a lot like Donald
0: Trump. Um, Dude, were you personally surprised that, it, that he started a whole new universe with Part 7? That Iraqi started a whole new universe?
1: Um... Or did you really. think this was with, a logical progression? Like with the way part 6 ended, I was kind of expecting, eh,
0: it's fair enough. Yeah. Um I definitely think it was a great way to introduce the new universe. Yeah. And and to go back to kind of the roots of JoJo's with the characters. Like you have you have Jonathan and Johnny, you have uh Dio and Diego. Yeah. You have uh you have the Zeppelins with Gyro. Um but then you, you have you have a mix of the old with the new and I think that's why it works so well. Oh yeah. Basically Iraqi took what worked from the beginning and he added new stuff to make it fresh.
1: Yeah, he took part one and he threw stands in it and placed it in yeah. America and you know, threw and, a new And style turned it into
0: basically stuff. like a road trip slash race.
1: Yeah. And it's it's just it's super fun the whole way through. It's got a lot of comedy. It's also got probably uh the most emotional death for me in it with Gyro. Yeah. Um, even Johnny's death, because Johnny does die. just yeah, just like Jonathan, kind of starts that Joe Star curse. Yeah. Again, and uh, his death is is really d- pretty awful. He doesn't die in a great way. No. Uh, kind
0: of very un- undignified, almost. Oh yeah,
1: he's you know crawling on the ground. And a giant rock falls on him. But um, it's
0: just. It's hard.
1: Yeah. It, yeah, I mean the whole part's fantastic. Uh yeah. the you know, the fights with Diego are really cool. Uh Diego's a really smart character. Mm-hmm. Um he's not nearly as evil as Dio. No. But um and um uh, Johnny's stand is really cool as well. Yeah. So and how his stand can even hurt him
0: if he, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't use it right. So and then I will say that part seven has one of the most bullshit stands in the entire franchise. Hey, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. Literally, his only power is to encourage a stand user. That's it. That's his whole power. He's a he's a he's a party buff. Party. Buff. Yeah, he's the support. You can do it. You can do it. And I said I'm done. You want to fight for me? No. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. Um. But I, I thought I thought that that. The Steel Ball Run, for me, as I said, was a great introduction to a new universe. But I also found it very interesting that it's, so far, the only real JoJo's part that delves into religious topics. Like, Jesus is an actual character that appears in Part 7. Yeah. And you can make the argument that Johnny kind of turns into a new Jesus. He kind of becomes like this demigod figure yeah. at the end of Part 7. I thought that was really interesting because before prior to this there really wasn't any religious symbology or imagery in jojos at all so i thought that was kind of interesting for iraqi to include that
1: yeah well it played into um it actually played into a lot of topics that are going on now yeah um with you know funny valentine doesn't want people coming in Mm -hmm. he wants the country to be pure and you know there's some racist undertones going on yeah Uh, he doesn't want he doesn't like immigrants coming into the country, so he's trying to wall it off. You know, it it plays into modern politics quite a bit, which is um,
0: amazing considering it was written way before any of this started happening. Yeah.
1: Um it's it's just a really interesting part. I think it's I think it's a lot of people's favorite parts. Yeah, especially
0: but, I would say especially outside of Japan for sure. Yeah. it it of all the JoJo's fans I've talked to at like conventions and whatever, it seems to be by and large people's favorite part outside of Japan, especially in North America.
1: It's just really well done, like all yeah. the way
0: through. Also, a big art art style change with part seven, but from part six,
1: I would actually say his designs got less ridiculous from part. Five and six, two part seven.
0: Yeah, with the I would say with the single exception of Zeppeli, maybe. Yeah, because well, Zepp- he looks kind of ridiculous. Zeppeli's ridiculous because he's got the gold teeth and everything, but and he's his, got those like si- metal sideburns on his. On his yeah, cheeks. he's
1: got those those sideburns, but like the outfits aren't nearly as
0: ridiculous. Oh no, yeah. As part They're, five actually, and six. I would say of of the later parts of JoJo's in terms of like the clothing design as some of the most practical looking clothes that the characters wear. Yeah,
1: part eight's not nearly as Nope. Yeah, part eight's
0: pretty standard, yeah.
1: uh, clothing. I kind of like that because I feel like a lot of the outfits in part six and five, I was just like, "What is that? That's not nobody. You can't even wear that, you know?" Yeah. Well, especially
0: but, Fugo's, you know, Swiss cheese outfit. Yeah,
1: Fugo's Swiss cheese outfit probably takes the cake.
0: Um, it's like, why, man? <laughs> You're not even wearing a shirt. No, it's basically underwear with Swiss cheese on top of it. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked it. his outfit is really nice. I like Naranja's outfit. I like the guy that's in that outfit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but like even Giorno's outfit is like
0: a little ridiculous. So yeah, well, the ladybugs and the yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's meant it's open. meant to emulate that, that outfit that Prince wore during a concert. I think in '94 or '5. His shirt off, but
1: yeah, um, those ladybugs are in the uh, final OP of Part Four.
0: They are. Uh, there's a lot of things that point to part five in the final op of part four fucking david production <laughs> you fucking teases um but yeah Steel Ball run is definitely i think if you were only going to check out a single uh part of the manga i would point to Steel Ball run
1: yeah i feel like it's the most you know um contained yeah either part... that
0: or part four maybe
1: yeah, part four you could definitely do because I feel like even though Joe Jotaro and Joseph are in it, they're mm-hmm. not like... You don't necessarily need to know Yeah, what they've been through because they kind of
0: like It's kind of explained that. to you. Yeah. I think that, yeah, those are definitely the two. But Steel Ball Run, I think if I were going to point to, to any one particular part and say, this is what kind of JoJo's is, that's what I'd say. Yeah. It's
1: so unique in terms of just like i mean i can't think of another manga that's anywhere like that like takes place in america follows a horse race adventure road trip no i can't think of some bros trying to get a magical item that grants wishes and stuff
0: i can't think of anything off the top of my head yeah i mean there's so few things that even take place in america like consistently in america yeah, that's true. I have... mean,
1: I guess that's JoJo's in general. Now that I think about it, all the parts I can't really think of relate to yeah. a
0: specific anime yeah, manga. But... Um, I mean, you can say that JoJo's is kind of international in the sense that it's basically had a part or parts that have ta- taken place in almost all parts of the globe, except for maybe Australia at this point. Yeah. I mean, I mean you've, had, you've had parts that take place in Asia, America, uh, Europe with the UK and Italy, uh, Africa with Part 3. Part 3 takes place um, in Africa. There's a, you could say that there's parts of um, Part 2 that take place in Mexico and somewhat in South America. Yeah. So pretty much Australia is the only unknown region of uh, JoJo so far. Australian JoJo for Part 9 confirmed. Get some kangaroos with stands. <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus. There's got to be a kangaroo with a stand. Somewhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, well we know that there his name are... is Tom.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we miss you Tom. Um I mean we've already seen that there are animals that can use stands in part 3. Yeah. Um, and in part 4 there's the, part... The, the mount or that rat. The, yeah, the rat who, uh, whose stand is called Rat. Yeah. Uh All right, well, we'll move on to the final part. Well, not so far the final part of Judges it's still in print uh and uh coming out Kind of monthly, and basically whenever Araki gets around to doing another chapter. Yeah, I mean he's so famous right now, he doesn't. You know, yeah. he can take his time and put out what he wants. Absolutely, he can work on his own schedule, which is um, nice. But that's part eight, which is Joe Jolian, which is currently in uh, production right now. I don't really. There's not a whole lot I really think I can say about it because we don't really know where the story is going just yet. Um, no, I think it's definitely the part that. For me personally, and I think for you too, it's definitely the part that's taking the most to click with us. Yeah, I... Well, I'm not sold on it yet.
1: It's It's been going on for so long and the chapters, like, because, you know, JoJo's is now monthly, so mm-hmm. the chapters are 30, 40 pages.
0: Yeah, as opposed to 15 or so pages as they yeah. used to be.
1: And uh, it's just got, like really long chapters and it's been going on for so long now and we still haven't gotten like who the main villain is yeah what the purpose of this arc is yeah and i i just i feel like it's dragging on a little bit i want to see it like get moving a little bit but once jojo's does get moving it doesn't typically stop until the the arc ends so maybe that's just me because this is the only arc i've read like that as it's coming out yeah me too so like maybe I, that's yeah. maybe that's why it's taking a while to click with me
0: perhaps because you're not you're not able to binge it like you did with the other chapters yeah, or yeah. the other parts um i definitely like we don't know who the villain is yet and this is this, this has been going on since 2011 so we're coming up on a decade here that this thing has been going on it's the longest part by far now it's longer than steel ball run it's longer than any other part um we're still you there's what 105 110 chapters
1: yeah 104 volumes or something like
0: that. yeah well i'm talking about of jojo liam it's I think 105 it's, chapters right yeah now, something like that yeah or around 105 chapters we should have gotten a main villain reveal by now
1: <laughs> yeah uh it's just and there's there's more like you know it follows the same structure of part uh seven in that it uses the old and refurbishes it for this new universe with yeah. Josuke and Kira, yeah. and, it's and, place Queen. In and it part takes place four. in Morio. For takes place in Morio. I just, I, you know, for it being in Morio, I, I just, I wish I was getting more out of it. Yeah,
0: like, you're definitely getting to see more of the city than you got to see in part four. Yeah, yeah, which that's is true. nice. Yeah. Um I think that some of the characters and the arcs that they brought back to kind of redo it's been done really well, like uh just a few chapters ago they redid the highway uh highway star arc, yeah, and I thought that was done really, really well. um I actually think it was done better than it was done in part four uh I don't know the one in part four is pretty ridiculous, it, well, yeah, <laughs> when he punches the motorcycle, yeah <laughs> um. But I really, I liked Kira's reintroduction in part eight. I really wish that they'd kept him around, quote unquote, for longer than they did. Yeah. Because I would have liked to have seen Kira kind of being portrayed as a good guy for a lot longer. Um, yeah, because
1: he's, he's like the best friend of Josuke. <laughs>
0: yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, It's also worth pointing out that this technically isn't the Josuke from part four. No. He has four balls, which is something they love to point out a lot. <laughs> yeah um
1: well because of the incident with kira and yeah
0: which is a whole that was pretty convoluted in and of itself yeah yeah um i'm really hoping that we get some kind of explanation about the walleyes at some point like what their whole purpose is and yeah. why they appeared after the giant earthquake i think
1: uh i'm trying to think i think this is the, the first part where like the sidekick character for jojo is a girl
0: yeah well, it's his girlfriend basically yeah pretty much um i think yeah i mean there have been other like jojo sidekick characters that were girls but this is definitely the main sidekick character yeah um i mean She's you had the
1: one that gets the second you know yeah. most amount of screen time
0: like in part four you could say you had yukako who was technically a yeah, yeah. A, a companion you had in part five trish And you had a female Jojo in part 6. I can't really think of the only real female character that stands out in part 3 is Mariah. (laughs) But she was a villain. Yeah. I love that fight, by the way. Got some good boobs, though. she got some good boobs. But (gasps) you got to see... You got to to see Abdel and uh, Joseph pretend to fuck each other. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Part 3 is wonderful. I don't know. I'm really interested to see where part 8 ends up going. I feel like it's been going on so long that Araki is actually trying to set up something really, really good for the end. Yeah. Um, And that kind of leads us into the last thing I really really want to talk about. I personally think that Part 8 is going to lead us into Part 9. It's going to be like a direct lead-in. Oh, yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. It's kind of, at this point, what I hope happens. Um, But I think you and I have a couple of theories about Part 9. I think it's going to be the final part, first off.
1: Yeah, I think most people think it's going to be the final part. Rocky's getting older
0: now. Not that you'd know by looking at him. No. Um, But it it would definitely organize it into three distinct trilogies. Parts 1 through 3, 4 through 6, and then 7 through 9. I think that, like you said, he's getting up there in age, but I also think that kind of... I think he's just running out of ideas for stories. (laughs) And stands.
1: I don't know. Well, he is starting to reuse stands. Um but I don't know if he's running... I mean, because the stories in Part 8 haven't really been bad. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he's taking... He definitely has taken some, some stories from Part 4 and redone them. I think probably in the way that he originally wanted to do them. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say the writing in Part 8 is bad. So I don't know if it's... hes I think he's just getting tired. Yeah. I mean, how long has he been working on this? 30 years more. 30 more than 30 years, years now. now. So I'm sure... And who knows, I mean, how long, this is, part 8's been going on 8 years now. How long is part 9 going to be? Yeah. That's going to be another 10 years. He's going to be like, you know, in this, his upper 60s. Yeah,
0: almost 70 years old, still doing manga. Of course, it wouldn't be unheard of for people to keep doing that in that at that age. Yeah. Um, but you and I have this theory that I think we kind of agree with that the most logical thing to do at this point would be for him to merge the two universes for part 9. To have characters from both universes interact with each other.
1: Yeah, I think that's what people want the most. Yeah, um, that's what he wrote in the video games. Yeah, um, and there's you know God Dio or whatever,
0: dinosaur Dio, dinosaur Dio, <laughs> dinosaur
1: Dio. Uh, but it's you know I I feel like he's he's definitely building towards something, and I'm hoping that the end of jojo Leon ends up you know kind of with an explosion of the two universes just kind yeah. of yeah you know
0: i think it would be a great way for him to go back and fix that plot hole with Josuke in part four <laughs> i honestly do yeah um it would be really cool to see both jouskes meet each other i think that would be a really cool thing to start part nine with <laughs> yeah Josuke meeting Josuke yeah uh, i think
1: uh Original Josuke would be pretty mad that Josuke
0: doesn't have his hair. Yeah, and wears a sailor outfit. Yeah, pretty small sailor outfit. By yeah. The way. Um, I I think at this point that would be the best idea. I think, like you say, it's what most people want. I can tell you who I would like to see be the main character of Part 9, and that's the invisible baby from Part 4, Shizuka <laughs>
1: Joestar. Shizuka. I have a feeling it would be Jotaro if it would be anyone. Uh,
0: but I, it would be so cool, though, because... Like, especially, because the way I want, or really wanted it to be with at, at the end of part six with part seven, I was assuming it was going to go to, like, maybe four or five or six more years in the future and have, like, an 18 or 19-year-old Shizuka Joestar and have her, like, probably be the most troubled Jojo, where she'd have to grow up basically without parents, because at the time when uh, Joseph adopted her, he was old as fuck and probably about to die anyway. So it'd been really interesting to see if she was like a troubled teenager and trying to wrestle with her stand powers.
1: Yeah, how old was Joseph? Joseph was born
0: seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. I think well, the, at the time of...
1: Joe stars do tend to live a little bit longer because yeah, they have you know inherent. Now, Joseph
0: is never mentioned in part six, but it's I think it's kind of assumed that he's dead at that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would assume so. Yeah, he would be like. He'd be and in he's his like a
0: hundred years old. Yeah, uh-huh. he'd well he'd be like in his nineties or something. Yeah. at that point. Um I'd love to see Shizuka Joestar come back just as a character, just to see her get developed, because I think that's something that Iraqi probably could do pretty well. I think it's something he might have wanted to do with future parts at the time, but I kind of forgot about it. Um And also I think that doing two back to back parts with female JoJos probably wouldn't have been a great idea.
1: Yeah. I think probably people would have assumed that. Maybe, up oh, now he's just doing female <laughs> heroines. But, uh, Turned into a magical role show. I could see. You know, I would like him to do another part with a female.
0: Yeah. Hero. That'd be a great way to end, I think. Do, 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 do gender-bent Jojo characters for part nine. <laughs> yeah. A gender-bent Jotaro.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could go. I mean, from Jojo Leon, he could do gender-bent Giorno. But Giorno wouldn't have been born, though, because was not around. That's true. So, and yeah. Diego wasn't a vampire.
0: Yeah. You know. Um. You have any other thoughts, or what What do you want out of part nine? How do you want the series to conclude? How do you conclude a series I just, like this? I just
1: want it to be, you know, ridiculous, hilarious, you know, also make me cry a little bit. <laughs> just, you know... I want him to go all out I want him to throw all the ideas out there. All everything ridiculous in that dude's head. Just throw it at me. I want it all. <laughs> you know, just don't hold anything back. If it's gonna be the last part, I want it to be the most ridiculous part. In a good way.
0: In a, yeah. I
1: don't want it to be a mess, but
0: I definitely want it to not end with like a whimper. I want it to end with a bang. Yeah. Like JoJo's should.
1: I want it to be like now this is JoJo's. I don't know what just happened. But it's but it was JoJo's awesome.
0: And it's JoJo's. And now, for it. all of our criticisms that we have of Part 8 so far, we can't say it's not JoJo's. No, it it's looks definitely and it just, feels like JoJo's. Yeah,
1: it's definitely JoJo's. It's definitely one of the better manga out there yeah. running right now.
0: I mean, even for all of its faults, it's still better than 90% of all manga that's out there now. Oh, yeah. I me, would say even 99% of all manga.
1: Me, like, being a little less interested in a JoJo part is still me being greatly more interested in it than compared to you know any other manga so <laughs>
0: all right well there's only one other thing i definitely wanted i didn't write this down but i do want to talk about it so besides the main manga there's also some side manga that Iraqi has done um the most the two really big ones really the only ones at this point are uh the rohan one shots that he did which i think there's six of them or is it seven? I, don't,
1: I haven't actually read them really
0: mm-hmm i did um now, it's worth pointing out that although these focus on Rohan, who was introduced in Part 4, and that part was done in the mid-90s, these one-shots were done in and around the year 2010-2011. So his art style had changed significantly yeah. by that time. So Rohan doesn't really look as the same way he did in Part 4. No. And it's definitely illustrated very well in the in the uh, David Productions the OVAs. OVAs that they're doing for the Rohan OVAs. Um what which Rohan do you prefer?
1: I think I prefer Part Four <laughs>
0: Rohan.
1: Uh, I don't know his. The David production Ovas didn't really do that style very much justice. No.
0: And it, I think it's partially because they went straight from Part Four into this. Yeah. Um, I think if you would if you would waited until maybe animating Part Six or Seven and then doing this the, those OVAS, you probably could have eased people into it more. Because the art style would have been kind of similar by then. Yeah, I'm not sure why they decided to do these OVAs. Araki loves Rohan. Yeah. He actually, he lo- it's one of his favorite characters, he said in interviews.
1: One of his favorite characters is also... Um, Shigechi from part, yeah, part four. Shigechi. He said,
0: he said it's the death that he regrets the most. Yeah, he, uh,
1: he said he likes Shigechi more than he likes Dio. Yeah.
0: Which just boggles my mind. Yeah. Like, it's a somewhat inconsequential character that just gets unsummarily killed off. It's like, it's my favorite character, guys.
1: Yeah, he's got a weird connection to him.
0: Yeah. You know. Um, I personally recommend the Rohan uh, one-shot manga, just for the fact that one of them is about Gucci. <laughs> and it's all about fashion. Yeah. Um, that's one thing you can say about Rohan. He's definitely fashionable. He's definitely fashionable. Definitely the nice best cars. looking the best looking man in part four. Oh yeah. Um and then the other one shot that was done, which of all the one shots, I was kind of hoping this would get an OVA over the Rohan one shots, and that's uh, Dead Man's Questions. Which yeah, is the Kira that's the one, one read. shot. Um that the the art style in that is spectacular. It doesn't look like any other part of JoJo's in terms of like character design wise. I mean Kira still looks like Kira but like the clothes that everyone wears are just a- unbelievably audacious and like very flashy. Um but it takes it takes place in Kira's afterlife basically, after part 4. And he's essentially like this angel of death that goes around shepherding people into the afterlife and it's just it's fun to watch because it's Kira still being Kira but knowing he has to do these things he doesn't want to do. Yeah. I
1: I love that one shot. I really 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 wish it would get no yeah. animation.
0: I know, it kind of made well, me want a whole part of JoJo's just exploring that whole concept. Yeah, even if it isn't with Kira, just exploring that concept of the afterlife in JoJo's.
1: Yeah, Kira Kira was an interesting character also because he's I think he's the only character that his ability, like one of its main effects, was that it affected you in the afterlife just as much as it affected you. Yeah, in the real world, like when Killer Queen blew you up. Yeah, you were blown up in the afterlife. You were pieces. Yeah, so
0: you basically you, didn't have an afterlife.
1: Yeah, she gets you just floating through the air, yeah. little pieces. So,
0: yeah, I would I would definitely love at some point that to be made into an OVA. Um, yeah. But who knows what David Production's is going to do at this point? Um, definitely definitely go read it if you haven't. It's worth the read just for the art style alone. I would say. And in fact the uh there's a there's an art book called JoJo Valera, which I have. I bought it at Anime Expo actually last year. I showed it to you. Yeah. Um there's a whole section of that just dedicated to art from Dead Man's Questions. Um in fact one of those one of the illustrations from that, that set ended up in the Louvre, so and it's that set piece where uh, Kira's wearing like the top hat looking thing. Oh, okay. That's one of the ones that ended up, it's got like sparkles and stars and shit all yeah. over it. Um, it's really great. Um But yeah and then uh, the the last thing is there's three uh, light novels that have been based in the JoJo's... Officially licensed light novels have been based in the JoJo's universe. One of them is written by Nisio Eason, the creator of the Monogatari series. I have not read those. I, the only one I've read is the George Star light novel. And oh. that is actually... It's insane and you don't know what's going on, but it's pretty cool. And it's basically... It revolves around the life of uh, Jonathan Joestar's son, which is joseph joestar's father george joestar
1: yeah when he's fighting in world war one yeah it takes
0: place uh around the end and then the aftermath of world war one where he settles on the uh the canary islands and the the locals start calling him jorge jorge joestar
1: (laughs) he gets eaten by a zombie spoiler alert. yeah
0: he does get eaten by a zombie um but that's the only one that I've read. I know that there are two others out there, one of which is written by Nisio Eason. Can I, I can only imagine how good that is. Could you imagine if Nisio Eason and Araki wrote a part of JoJo together? It would be really weird and probably hard to understand. And then have the anime for it do be a co-production between David Productions and Shaft.
1: I'm surprised Shaft didn't try to get JoJo.
0: I feel like do you think if, if David Productions decides to kind of abandon JoJo's, do you think Shaft or some other studio might pick it up?
1: I don't know about that. I don't know if David Production would ever get rid of it. Even if they weren't produ- even if they're not animating it, they would hold on to it.
0: Yeah, fair enough. It's a it's a property that makes a ton of money still. Even yeah. after all these years. It's hard to it's like Disney giving up any of their properties. They're just not gonna do it. Yeah. Even if they're not doing anything with it now, they're just not gonna give it up. Well, that leads me to my final question. What do you personally think the legacy of JoJo's is going to be in the future? Like, it's been around for 30 years. 30 years from now, what do you think people are... Is it still going to be as important and relevant as it is today? Oh,
1: yeah. I think it always will be because it established all the, you know, all the quote-unquote tropes that are in Shonen yeah. to this day.
0: Oh, and even not just Shonen in anime and manga in general. I mean, JoJo's had the first Yandere. With Yukako, yeah, and that's not a shonen trope. That's just an anime trope at this point.
1: Yeah, it's a character archetype. It's yeah. a it's a staple of anime at this point. Um, you know, JoJo's has established a lot of stuff, and it's been, you know, referenced in video games. I mean, every the the it's, reason why is that a fucking JoJo reference is such a big meme is because they're everywhere. They're everywhere, and they usually are JoJo references. Yeah.
0: And they're starting to creep into Western franchises and media, too, which oh, yeah. is insane to me. Oh, yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Do you think Hollywood would ever get a hold of JoJo's? I'm kind <laughs> At this point, I kind of hope not.
1: I mean, I think they could probably do a decent Part 1 and Part 2 adaptation. Yeah. I feel like stands would be really hard to animate in live action. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we saw it in the Part 4 movie. Yeah. They were okay, but they weren't okay. great. No. It's just... It's always gonna look There funky. were some
0: stands that were better than others. Like the Aqua Necklace. The way that looked, I thought, was pretty good with the, the fake water. Yeah. But... Crazy Diamond was... Eh. Yeah. Eh.
1: It's always gonna look eh. Um, I don't
0: know. I, I just don't think that JoJo's could work that well in live action. Especially the later parts.
1: Yeah. I think the first two
0: parts probably could.
1: Maybe yeah. Steel Ball Run. Maybe. <laughs> But um,
0: you don't really have yeah. to animate stands in parts one and two.
1: No, you just have to
0: animate the, the you know, Hamon, Hamon and Hamon vampires. Yeah, which is pretty easy to do. Yeah. Um, I personally think that the legacy of JoJo's is is it's going to live on. I think it's one of the most, if not the most important manga ever created. Um, I
1: think it's definitely one of them. Yeah. It's, I think it is it's, it's definitely up the there with shown in manga. Yeah,
0: for sure. I think it's definitely up there with like the works of Miyazaki and Shinkai. Um uh, I think it's definitely like in that tier. Stuff yeah. that's it's respected not only in Japan and in the like the anime manga community, it's like even outside of it cuz you see like all these Hollywood types and and celebrities now that are are talking about this stuff, so. And yeah. some of it is JoJo's, so Hell, there's a lot of there's a lot of athletes that come out and talk about JoJo shit. It's it's amazing to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that when you look back even 50 years from now, it's going to be the thing that's like, this is what got so many people. there will probably be
1: a new adaptation of it 50 years
0: from now. True, a new uh, anime adaptation. or Hell, who knows? Another manga could come along and say, I'm going to continue this story.
1: I don't know if I'd be okay with that, but uh, yeah, I think... Uh,
0: Rocky does have children, you know.
1: Oh, no, yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean that they're going to be as good of an artist as him. That's true. Or as creative as him. But um I do think uh I think it's going to be an anime that a series that never dies. Yeah. In a sense that
0: it's always y- in the consciousness. Yeah,
1: there's always going to be, you know, 20 years from now they're probably going to be doing a whole new adaptation of it because we're going to be watching everything in 7000p <laughs> or whatever. Probably. Yeah, 1800k uh and they're going to have to reanimate it because 1080p is too blurry for us there's <laughs> something but uh
0: yeah it's jojo it's just it, take it for what it is yeah and i think that's all I, that's all we can say about it just mm-hmm. take it for what it is embrace it embrace it embrace the craziness and it's definitely gay by about the time part five rolls around. Oh, yeah. Part seven
1: super gay. <laughs> it's, oh, man. There's like some real romance between there's Johnny literal, and Gyro. There's
0: literal like guys humping each other on one of the manga covers.
1: Oh, yeah. A couple of them. Yeah. It's always Johnny with his legs wrapped around Gyro and weird poses and
0: stuff. All right. Well, thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to the second part of our two part JoJo's uh, Spectacular. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy reading these kind of things to you. If you haven't already, be sure to check out part one of uh, this episode where we talk about the anime. Me and the tie talk about the anime. Also, if you want to check out uh, previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Uh, if you want to check out if you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, or visit our website. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, concerns on this or any episode, feel free to us an email. Links to all of these things will be down below in the description. Thank you for joining me tonight, Ryker. No problems. And on behalf of him, I've been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, Ryker. Good night, Riker. Goodnight, Riker. <laughs>